Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am talking to you from New York City today, and I am so excited to introduce to you our guest on this week's show. World-renowned, best-selling author, speaker, leader in the world of wellness, and one of my personal favorite resources for a positive mindset and a balanced lifestyle. Welcome to the show, Deepak Chopra. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful. I feel like I'm uh, visiting your city right now. (laughs) Yes, this is my city. Do you love living in New York? I love the hustle and bustle, yes. I I live in Aruba, so for me this is a very (laughs) big transition, especially 32 degrees. Couple of times. You like it? Over the years. Yeah, it's beautiful. Just for vacation? Yeah, no, I was there for a talk last time. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, but it for was me today, a few walking, years ago. A few years. Walking through the streets today with, you know, 32 degrees and this wind, and I'm like, oh my God, okay, I remember why I live in the Caribbean and not here. But remember, you're a yoga girl. So, <laughs> independent of the ups and downs of the environment right yeah i try to be but i'm, I'm born in sweden and i i, I never did well with the cold i don't know I see. something's wrong with well, me. well i can adjust my body temperature depending <laughs> on the environment <laughs> you can yes so you fit in anywhere i love that well so the name of this show is from the heart mm-hmm. so speaking completely from the heart how are you doing right now i'm doing really well on a scale of one to ten i would say ten Ten, amazing, mm. amazing. And how 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 does that come about? Are you always at a ten, or do you fluctuate? I'm usually always at a ten. I start my day with four intentions: number one, a joyful, energetic body; number two, love and compassion in the heart; number three, reflective, alert, quiet mind; and number four, lightness of being. And that's my day. I feel calmer just listening to you <laughs> speaking do you ever have a day when you're not at a 10 where you you're at an eight or a seven i used to uh, when i was in uh, practice and uh, you know i had unfortunate experiences of people dying and suffering from illness and trauma and suicide and depression it was pretty unnerving and that's why I got interested in the whole issue of why do humans have to suffer like that Hmm. and do you find that because of course those things we cannot control so they still will inevitably come our way is it easier to manage them now compared to then well as I as I explored the nature of illness and healing what was a major discovery for me as a physician and it's pretty well documented now, is that only 5% of disease-related gene mutations are fully penetrant. So 5% of the genetic errors that are connected to disease, no matter what the disease is, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart disease, autoimmune illness, you name it, all these, uh, only 5% of the mutations, the genetic mutations, errors that are associated with these diseases predict the disease. That means they're fully penetrant. So if somebody has a gene like the one, say, Angelina Jolie had, mm. it's called the BRCA gene for breast cancer, that predicts breast cancer no matter what you do. So she had to have a double mastectomy to prevent cancer. Now, when you look at all disease, that's the case. Only 5% of those mutations 
are 100% predictable. The rest are connected to what we might loosely call lifestyle. So that's a big number. 95% of all illness is related to some disruption in homeostasis. Homeostasis means self-regulation. And that causes inflammation in the body. Inflammation is the other extreme of homeostasis. There are two kinds of inflammation. One is acute. So if you have pneumonia, then your body responds with acute inflammation, sending antibodies to repair and increase blood supply. If you injure yourself, same thing. But most illness is chronic inflammation, low-grade inflammation. Most people don't even know they have it. Um, and it's due to things that I like lack of sleep, for example, or stress, or poor mind-body coordination, or not enough movement, or just inappropriate breathing, or poor nutrition, or uh, unhealthy emotions like anxiety, depression, guilt, shame, uh, hostility, anger, or Disruption is circadian rhythms, like jet lag, for example, if it keeps occurring recurrently. So knowing this is a good thing because you know that 95% of illness is under our control and the 5% that's not, soon there'll be what we call gene editing. So you will be able to cut and paste genes the same way as you cut and paste your email. You just read the barcode of a gene delete the harmful gene, and paste the right one. So the future of medicine is actually very bright. And all of these factors that can lead to inflammation, is it enough to have one that isn't in place? So say you're doing everything right with movement and positive thinking and all of these things, but you're lacking sleep. Could one single thing be a f- enough, yes, big enough factor? Yes, uh, sleep is now known to be lack of deep sleep, delta sleep as they call it is a predictor of Alzheimer's, for example, and the Mm. most common cause of Alzheimer's, if you get it after, say, age 60 or 65. I just heard that. Okay, so lack of sleep. And also it's the number one predictor of premature death, lack of sleep from cardiovascular I, uh, illness. I just did the, the 23andMe, you know, the, yeah, the yeah, genetic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I got the results yesterday. And the, the one thing I had pre a little predisposition toward was uh, late onset Alzheimer's. And I have it in the family. Okay, so now when you have a pre-predilection for late onset Alzheimer's, that's preventable. So um, I need to sleep better first and foremost. Sleep, uh, meditation. Oh, the six pillars I mentioned usually are mm. sleep. Uh, meditation and stress management, movement of about 10,000 steps every day. Uh, But I would like to add to that yoga and pranayam because regular movement doesn't uh, necessarily, uh, in fact, it does not simulate the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. So, you know, we are on sympathetic overdrive in the world right now, which means everything is in a fast mode. Now, exercise actually increases sympathetic activity. But if you do yoga, as you know, or pranayama, or even meditation added to that, that stimulates this nerve in our body called the vagus nerve, which is probably the most important healing nerve in our body. It goes from the brain, midbrain, it's the 10th cranial nerve, and it influences your facial expressions, whether you're happy, sad, energized. 
it influences the tone of your voice is it anxious fearful or joyful it influences your heart rate variability which tells you best marker of stress but then it penetrates through the diaphragm and into all the organs of our body and causes self regulation so as you know when we do asana asana the sanskrit meaning of the word asana is seat of awareness so it doesn't matter which school of yoga you're practicing ashtanga yoga whatever you know there's so many varieties but there are some basic asanas which is uh, lying poses twists sitting poses standing poses and then the movement that occurs with sun salutation hmm. once you practice all these asanas you're stimulating every single organ in the body for self regulation there's no drug that can do that and there's no um, technology that can do that although right now one of the biggest movements in the pharmaceutical industry is what they call bio electrical medicine or they even using a word called electroceuticals so you can put an implant in the vagus nerve and stimulate it with um, your smartphone or you can do a, put a little magnet on your and neck and what do you think about this development in technology well i talked to these people who uh, are developing this big companies are doing this big huge pharmaceutical companies i said you can do all of that with yoga they said yeah but how do we make money if we do it with <laughs> yoga so i said then you should fund the research in this area and for severe cases one could use this you know so somebody has a rheumatoid arthritis and they're unable to move mm-hmm. or they uh, by the way that vagal implant is very effective in epilepsy for example so when people were being treated for epilepsy with vagal implants suddenly they found that they were being cured of bronchial asthma or rheumatoid arthritis or they went into remission from autoimmune illness or even some types of cancer so the fact is vagal stimulation works to decrease inflammation do you think it might make us lazy no i think if somebody if say this is available for if everyone if i had a patient with severe rheumatoid arthritis in a wheelchair i would do that mm. and then i'd start them slowly on pranayam yoga in a chair and ultimately move to yoga because even the vagal implant it is usually selective where which nerve it's going to but with yoga you stimulate all the branches of, of the course. but do you think you know nerve. 50 years from now or or ahead in the future these things will be available for oh, anyone yeah, they're going so, to be available soon so if i say i don't want to practice years. yoga it takes me an hour i don't have the time i'll i'll find an implant instead it will still help and people will use but it won't have the overall see as you know yoga asana is one of eight things you know in mm, little the, piece yeah uh, right so it's one piece it, um, oh, your yeah, asana is very important but if you combine it pranayam dhyan meditation dharana focused awareness samadhi transcendence so whole holistic yeah approach. you have to find the whole full approach yeah. and um and how do you feel about that the the commodification of yoga in the west and how how uh, often people perceive yoga as this you know teeny tiny piece and we roll out our mats and practice some poses and sweat and maybe see it more as a workout how do you feel about i think it's okay for anyone to do yoga for any reason i started doing it because i wanted to stop smoking that's and, a great reason <laughs> and that was a long long time ago but i ended up looking for god so you know 
So whichever, it's, whatever yeah, brings whatever you to the mat will take you to a deeper good, yeah. place. Yes, I like that too. I mean, I, I, I believe that too. But then there's been a, uh, in my own community, we had a really big discussion for a long time about cultural appropriation and yoga and how yoga is being perceived and adapted into different things in the Western world and how sometimes it's very far removed from how it's practiced in the in the East. Do you ever see a danger in yeah, that? Yeah, but I see now better, I find better yoga teachers, the West. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll Here. be honest, in the United States, I find better teachers than I find in and India. And why do you think that is? I think, first of all, you know, it, it was uh, yoga in India was very exclusive. It was part of a tradition. And by the way, it was mostly male teachers, mm-hmm. you know, and even today. Now in the West, it's a, the dominant teachers are women. And it's become extremely popular because of the very fact that you suggested people find themselves energized, they feel more buoyant, they feel lighter, they have remission of illness, and then there's all the science behind it that's happening in the West. I don't think in terms of cultural appropriation, Newton discovered gravity. That doesn't make gravity is English. Or Einstein discovered relativity. That doesn't mean relativity is uh, German or necessarily. But isn't yoga more of a cultural practice to begin with? It is a cultural practice, but it's also a science. So I resent this trying to own, even though I'm Indian, you don't own knowledge or wisdom. Nobody owns it. It's a gift to the world, and it's a great gift that came from India. But had it not been, quote-unquote, culturally appropriated, we wouldn't see its popularity and its resurgence in India. The reason, you know, I started with this whole movement of meditation and yoga 35 years ago when there was one or two yoga studios in New York, and now there's a yoga studio every every block. Okay, this is a phenomenon that brought the awareness of yoga back to India. Okay, and of course now there's a resurgence of uh, yoga in India because suddenly people have realized its scientific benefits, its popularity, and it's the way things work. You know, taking coals back to Newcastle. It's uh, even though yoga belongs originally, came from India, its resurgence even in India is because it's a global phenomenon. It's well documented in its benefits. The research is mind boggling if you look at the science behind it. It's uh, not just a subjective experience. We can look at inflammatory markers can look at gene activity epigenetically. We can look at neuroplasticity. It's a science. And it's a science that is more replicable, by the way, than some of the other objective sciences that we use. And what about the fact that, because I've had these conversations also on the podcast with uh, yeah, people speaking from both sides. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and it's, it's a really important conversation to have. And I wasn't having it before because it wasn't in the front of my mind so much. I was always, the more yoga, the better. The more far it spreads, the better. The, you know, there's now yeah, and hip-hop the yoga way, and sure, dance yoga. There's and by everything. the way, just because something is ancient doesn't mean it can't evolve. Yeah, you course. know, so I am a fan of yoga. Period. Whether it's hip hop yoga <laughs> or hot yoga, <laughs> anything yoga, they all 
have benefits. So what if yoga becomes now so commercialized and also portrayed for a specific part of the population? Like now, I find especially in the media and with the social media and the online world, there are so many white women practicing yoga. And, you know, they see the cover of Yoga Journal. There's very rarely an Indian woman on the cover of any magazine. Yeah, that needs to change. But yeah, then how they, can have, we support they have to be change? more Indian women um, teachers. Otherwise, it would be hypocritical. So you think it's up to the Indian women? Yeah, to I mean, just to claim ownership space? doesn't do anything. Hmm. I mean, what does... Okay, let's agree. Yoga is owned by the Indians. So what? <laughs> What's the next step? No, but I'm thinking maybe it's up to us or, you know, my, you know, the, I am the white woman, you know, teaching and practicing Correct. yoga and, and, and have made a living off of this of also. Course. So it's and also by the my way, responsibility this is another, to hold this This is, space. you know, of course, traditionally, spiritual teachings have been free, but there has been a price for the student. Okay, the student has to be literally a disciple of a guru has to follow instructions, has to give up other uh, activities, and then he gets the benefit of the teaching of the guru. That was tradition. Okay, Now that it is commoditized and commercial, it has a chance to flourish. When I see the future of humanity, and hopefully one day at the age of enlightenment, Yoga and Ayurveda and good nutrition and health and well-being and understandable consciousness, these will be the ways for people to make money, not selling drugs or mm. cigarettes or mechanized death or weapons or nuclear warfare. You realize that the biggest source of income right now for the most countries, even the ones that are not affluent, India and, you know, Russia. Russia is not affluent, even though we think of it as a superpower. But they make income from mechanized death, and we let that happen. Okay, we let people make income from drugs and that kill people. Pornography is one of the biggest sources of income for, for the world right now. What's wrong with making money? By helping people, it seems like it's ridiculous even to think about that. So, you know, things evolve, and I think the commercialization of yoga will be to the benefit of yoga. Now, I work in New York City where there are nonprofits like Yoga Foster. I have an association with uh, urban yogis in the inner city of New York. It's all free over there, and there you, we have African-Americans teaching yoga, African-Americans, in fact, uh, improvising with hip-hop yoga as well, creating their own brands. Uh, we brought down the crime rate in Queens, which had the highest crime rate. It's now in the, uh, in the suburbs of New York, the lowest crime rate, just because of our urban yogis. So, you know, where you can, you offer scholarships if you make a lot of income that helps you to do that as well and there are now you know many commercial organizations that have nonprofits as well so i think we should let yoga evolve as a world uh, culture in the world the way it's evolving with no objections and if indians want to say we own it let them 
No, but I, I completely agree about uh, about creating abundance and making money in, in this field. It's super important to do. Absolutely. But it's by a really challenging people. thing by helping people in any way. Yeah. yeah. And I find uh, and I find it so strange, but I've personally walked a really difficult path in terms of making money from from doing what I do and feeling ashamed for that. And uh, when I started teaching yoga, I often heard, oh, but you do this for, for a spiritual reason. You should do it for free. It should be for everybody. You should offer it. And if, it helps them. Helps you their have, peace do of you mind. have a yoga studio? No, I do. Yeah. Do you have to pay a rent? Uh, yeah, we have a mortgage. Yes, yeah, yes have a of mortgage. course. We have a, do you have a lot teachers of there? And teachers and yeah. Yes, so yeah. how do you do that? No, of course, it it's not. It's not possible. Yeah. But I find that people. There's also this perception. I think um, people can say what they want. <laughs> I, lo I love that. It's also that. you shouldn't care. But for instance, what I see also through because a lot of what I do exists in the social media world. So a lot of the response I get is in my face, immediate, direct. You That's know, that's fine. Thousand. I mean, you know, listen. If you go to the emergency room, spend two hours of that, your bill will be three thousand dollars. If you happen to have a pacemaker put in because you just you know, have an arrhythmia, the bill will be several hundred thousand dollars. So teaching yoga and helping people prevent all that hmm. is a But no, what do you think it is profession. from the, because I think it's something about the human it's psyche. It's the Judeo-Christian guilt that hmm. has existed, you know, unless you feel guilty, you're not religious. But that's just simple. But guilt and shame should be the most unspiritual things ever. But people are brought up with guilt. And, and that somehow is has seeped into the world culture. If you're spiritual, you are not allowed to have affluence enjoy, yeah. or abundance yeah. or enjoy life. But do you think there's also this cynical part of human beings? Because I find we have uh, three nonprofits that I that I run, and I never get more negativity from people when I share the amazing things that we do. Because people will go, "Oh, you did that," but then I saw you flew first class over there. How can you do these things? So let me just say this, Rachel. If I had worried about what people said, I would <laughs> have retired 40 years ago. You know, so you but have to... But to me, to, it's fascinating. You have because to be you, totally independent that, of criticism and yeah. also of the good opinions and flattery of the world. You do what but you... But the negative part, so the, the, the weapons and the pornography and all these things, mm -hmm. people start businesses for the pure reason of starting a business to make money. money. No one complains. Yeah. Yeah, no one so complains. what is it about this side of doing good or wanting to heal or help that I automatically comes to the I think the humans are in general insane. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also jealous of other people's success. Uh, you know, what do you call a world that has eco-destruction, extinction of species, climate change, mass epidemics due to all kinds of poverty, uh, weaponization, uh, nuclear weapons, and now risking our own extinction? Uh, this is the world we've created collectively, and now I think it depends on people like yourself and other yogis to repair this. And uh, if you want to repair this, you have to confront the insanity of the world and not be afraid to say so. Because if you don't think the world is insane, then you're insane too. That's uh, yeah. We're in an insane <laughs> asylum true. and us yogis are trying to upgrade the illusion. Hmm. No, very because true. there's no escaping it. Hmm. You're in it. Pick up your visitor's badge and do something about it. And do something about it. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I remember my wedding day like it was yesterday. 
all our family and friends joined together at a castle in Sweden. Our dogs wore tiny little tuxedos and the aisle was made of white sand, like our home beaches in Aruba. The best weddings nail all those little details, but organizing them can seem so overwhelming. So for help of putting all of these details together, I recommend you check out Zola. Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love. They reinvented the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. With your dream wedding registry, affordable save-the-dates and invitations, and easy-to-use planning tools, Zola lets you conveniently manage everything from A to Z online in one place. It makes such a difference. Over 500,000 happy couples can attest to it. Start by creating your free wedding website. There are over 100 beautiful website designs to choose from that fit any style and every type of wedding. Add in cute photos, stories about how you met, travel and accommodation information, and anything else you want to truly personalize your very own wedding website. Then add your Zola registry. Guests can get all the details they need for your big day and even buy your wedding gift in one beautiful and convenient place. There are over 500 top brands that can be found, and Zola has thought of it all. Price-pointed gifts means there's something for every guest to buy, and of course, they offer free shipping and returns, price matching, and more. There's an added little bonus too. You can get 20% off of all the remaining gifts on your registry starting right after your big day. It's all in the name of love. Use Zola for your big day. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off of your registry on Zola, go to zola.com slash yoga girl. Again, that's zola and zola.com slash yoga girl to start your free wedding website and get $50 off of your registry. Zola, zola.com slash yoga girl. The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host, Chris Gillabo, also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts. So collectively, as, a, as, a, as humanity, as a planet, where do you think we are heading? Well, if you want me to be totally honest, mm -hmm. and I would like to, we're at a crossroads. So if we don't do something collectively, if we don't reach a critical mass of people who are um, engaged in personal and social transformation, then we are definitely heading the way of extinction. Nature will have decided that um, the human's experience was a good experiment that didn't work. And, and you think this is imminent, close by, uh, around If you the listen to the experts and listen to climate change experts, it could be the next 50 to 100 years or even less. Now, on the other hand, there are technologies right now to reverse everything. With all that we know today <coughs> about how ecosystems work, with what created climate change, all we need is a critical mass of people who are engaged in personal and social transformation and the help of the best science that we have today, and everything is reversible. Can that happen? Yes, it can happen, but it's an emergency. We are at a crossroads. And personally, you know, I'm I'm 72, by the way, and I haven't been sick a day in my life. You know, for me, this journey will be over in this present time, uh, in its present form. So 
having said that, I have children, I have grandchildren, and there are future generations, and we messed it up for them, and we have some responsibility. But ultimately, you know, it's what the critical mass of consciousness in the world will decide what will happen. And either way, I mean, do you miss dinosaurs? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> if we become irrelevant and a new meta-human evolves, that's my new book, by the way, it's called Meta-Human, The Next Evolution of the Species, If We Survive, then I don't think meta-humans will miss humans. So in the end, it's... Whichever way we go, it's just part of evolution. It's probably. part of evolution. Evolution works by recycling old forms and phenomena and then also evolving to new. And what can we do as as, as regular people? You know, the, the people listening now that maybe they're home, they have jobs, they have kids, responsibilities. It seems very daunting to do your part in preventing our, our collective extinction. What can we do? Let's start with some very basic things that I told you earlier. I start my day with four intentions, joyful, energetic body, loving, compassionate heart, reflective, alert, quiet mind, lightness of being. Imagine out of seven billion people, one billion people were like that. You'd see a different world. So as Mahatma Gandhi said, you don't have to think of fancy things to do. Be the change you want to see in the world. And if enough people are the change. And that's pretty simple, what I said just now. What does it look like in practice, those four things? My pillars of well-being that I mentioned, and I'll re-mention them. So sleep, stress management in all its forms, yoga and meditation, movement, healthy emotions like love, compassion, joy, equanimity, food that is not contaminated with antibiotics, chemicals, and hormones or comes from a factory, and a connection with nature, period. period. Do that and you're on your journey. <laughs> you make it sound so simple. But it is. Yeah, yeah. I think we make it complicated for yeah. ourselves. Yeah. You practice yoga every day? Every day, seven days. I haven't missed in, the morning. in 10 years. You know, I used to do it five days, before that three days, to be seven days. Actually, as I've grown older, I've become more addicted to this experience that we call yoga. <laughs> so... I can't remember the last time I missed yoga. And how much do you sleep? Just out of curiosity. I can show you. You have I this sleep, app. Uh, I sleep a minimum of eight hours, and I monitor my dreams, and I monitor my deep sleep, and I practice oh. yoga nidra every day oh before I go to sleep. Every evening. Every evening before I sleep, I shut off the world and consciously settle into the infinite. Hmm. I, I want to see. I want to. I would love to uh, have the same sleep app as yours and compare them between the yeah, two. Well, because so one, there there are many sleep apps, mm -hmm. but I even the Fitbit is pretty good mm. because it measures movement, muscle movement during the night. And I uh, have a, a toddler at home, so my past uh, two years of sleep have been uh, the okay, worst of my entire get life. Better, but <laughs> yeah. you know, for your toddler, how old is your baby? She will be two in March. Yeah, so that's a rough period, but it'll be over soon. Don't worry yeah, about it. No, you know. I, I know. The more active she is during the day, the better she sleeps at night. Yeah, now she sleeps pretty well, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I took it for granted for sure. My my calm nights of sleep and no yeah, worry. That's it was part a different of, life. you know, that's part of, unfortunately, mm. you know, the price we pay to bring new life in the world. And how do you find fatherhood and parenthood? 
I have to say that when I was a young father, I was very busy trying to make a living for my family, and I was very busy as a physician in the emergency room, etc. And so my wife took most of the responsibility. As they grew older, I was in a better way to be available, and now I'm really available to my grandchildren. That's beautiful. Do you think it, because uh, I think about this a lot, the difference, at least in the older days, the difference between mothers and fathers and how I think uh, fathers tend to sleep a little bit more through the toddler years, not breastfeeding and things like that. Do you right. think it affects women's health? It does affect women's health. And I think now what we are seeing is uh, that more fathers are participating mm -hmm. in childcare. And I think that's a part of evolution too. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Last night I slept... Eight hours, eight hours and, and 32, 32 minutes. minutes. <laughs> and then if you go, I had... Wait, last night you slept nine hours and 30 minutes. Uh, no, that was the day before. That was a lot. And that this is all dreams and and uh, deep sleep. I mean, I'm like, if I was entering a sleep championship, I'd get <laughs> a gold medal. <laughs> you would win the sleep championship. <laughs> That's my goal. If there was any type of championship I want to win, it's the sleep championship. Yeah. But I really, I really noticed the effects it, it has had on my health. Of course. And, but again, they're reversible. So don't worry about it. And um, everything, that's the beauty of the human body. It's not a thing. It's an activity. It's a process. And in fact, if you go deep into the understanding of yoga, as the great uh, rishis did, you realize that actually, even though we do yoga using the body, there is no such thing as a body. The body is just a projection of your consciousness. And consciousness is infinitely malleable. So your body is also infinitely malleable. That's the whole concept, you know, in infinite flexibility in consciousness leads to flexibility in the body and flexibility in the body leads to flexibility of consciousness. And around it goes. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I don't know about you, but the easiest way for me to make my health a priority is to make daily routines and to stick with them. If you make something a habit, it becomes so much easier to do without even thinking about it. I have many daily rituals for my health, meditation and yoga in the morning, biking or running in the afternoon, of course, playtime with my baby every day. One of my other rituals... Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. I take it every morning with breakfast. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of in our diets, all in their purest, cleanest forms. No shady additives or ingredients that actually do more harm to your body than good. For obsessive label readers like myself, all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and all their sources are 100% out there for the whole world to see. You can head over to their website right now to take a look. From D3 to Omega-3, Ritual fills the gaps in women's diets, all with a fresh minty flavor and no fishy aftertaste. When it's time for Dennis and I to start discussing baby number two, Ritual is the prenatal vitamin reborn. It delivers everything from DHA to folate that women need at all stages of their pregnancy. For your added convenience, Ritual is subscription-based. For $1 a day, Ritual is delivered right to your door. Not good at keeping on top of your vitamin game? Well, Ritual understands and lets you easily snooze your subscription if life gets in the way. I have a feeling that like me, Ritual will become your new Ritual too. Better health does not happen overnight, so start your year out with Essential for Women, a small step that helps create a healthy foundation for 2019 and beyond. Visit ritual.com slash yoga girl to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl. But what do you say to someone? Because uh, I, I, I 
told the Instagram that I was had you were coming on the show and I got so many unbelievable amount of questions uh, but there were many people that wrote in that are suffering a really serious disease or they're suffering through something really um, like cancer or something that's um, yeah without positive predictions how do you uh, how do you speak to someone moving through something that challenging if everything if if this health you know it's under our control and there's so much we can do what do you do in that place i think the first thing is that you know i know that it would be irresponsible for me to give specific advice not knowing what the nature of illness is cancer when people say cancer there are hundreds of types of cancer a lot of them are easily treatable you know a lot are not a lot are like a chronic illness like diabetes you can live with them for a long time and you just keep them in uh, relative remission so you know there are cancers that grow slow so slowly that um, you probably won't die of them you'll die of something else there are cancers that uh, uh, stop growing there are cancers that reverse and then there are cancers that are very aggressive so i would say today in today's age anybody who has an illness first thing is do your own research go to google go to the uh, you know there's a lot of information available you should become the expert in your own illness number one. no doctor is as interested in you as you are in yourself okay so you should know much more than your doctor should and in fact you should be what doctors call a difficult patient because all the research shows difficult patients do much better than easy patients who are compliant to listen to the doctor the doctor tries to keep up in the best situations but he was he or she will not be an expert in your particular disease now having said that and having said that chronic inflammation is a factor in more than 90% of illness these days you can even test for inflammatory markers and you know you can find out and all the data that i looked at and i'll mention a website for your listeners to go to uh, that i have created for research purposes but you should test for inflammation number 1 even if you have mild depression or anxiety that could be because of low grade inflammation in fact all the meta analysis shows that before chronic severe illness appears people have low grade inflammation anxiety and depression as markers and in the past if you went to a doctor and you had low grade anxiety or depression they'd send you to a psych- psychiatrist and they still do they say there's nothing wrong with you but now we know that there's a low grade background of inflammation then you should see what is the factor causing that inflammation and these days especially one of the, we mentioned the factors i already mentioned lack of sleep and you know um, uh, stress etc but these days one of the most common uh, factors for inflammation is what is called dysbiosis it's you know we have 2 million bacterial genes in our gut as opposed to 100 and you know only 50 25000 human genes so your body was created by human genes that were given to you by your parents but then you acquired 2 2 million extra genes in some cases 20 million extra genes depending on where you live 
that are bacterial genes that are in your skin, in all the openings of your body, in your gut, in your colon. And the population of these genes can be changed by changing your diet. There are new uh, technologies that use artificial intelligence to actually test these genes, like you tested your genes, 23andMe. Those are human genes. And that's only less than, it's a, there are 150 times more bacterial genes in your body than bacterial genes. So, And people do those testings now for health? They are now approved in some states in the United States. Have you done that? Yes, I have done that. And you correct your microbial genes. And then your human genes are actually, it's not the genes. Like you got this profile of yours that tells you your risk factors, but it doesn't tell you your gene activity. The gene activity is much more important, and that's related to these lifestyle factors, particularly diet. So when I was a practicing physician, which I still am, I keep my licenses in California and Massachusetts, I never believed patients who came and told me I changed my diet and my disease went to remission. I had no idea how could that happen. What was the scientific basis? I switched my diet and now I feel my asthma went away. Because they weren't teaching that in medical school. They weren't that, and even now they're not. And now they're beginning to teach it because now we know how food immediately affects those bacterial genes in your gut. Okay, so you can change the population of your bacterial genes within within uh, six weeks if you want by changing your diet. And for those who don't have access to these kinds of technologies, I would say eat a plant-based diet or favor a plant-based diet more variety, the better. Eat seven colors of the rainbow because that gives you all the phytochemicals that are the plant-derived chemicals from the energy of the sun. That's why the sun is so important for our life. All life on our planet comes from the sun. So eat seven colors of the rainbow and Ayurveda would say the seven tastes of life. Sweet, sour, salt, bitter, pungent, astringent. Then Look at other things in your life and try and see if you can reverse the inflammation because inflammation is reversible and you might be one of those those people who goes into complete remission. If not, even if you don't go into complete remission, these modalities will help whatever other treatment you're taking, which Mm -hmm. is effective. So I would say do your own research, look it up, and it's easily available. Now, I was going to mention to you a website. May I? Mm-hmm, it's isharonline.org. So Ishar. I, yeah, I-S-H-A-R, online.org. It's the largest, it, Ishar stands for Integrative Health Archive and Repository. Okay, so it's got all the research on all the things I've said and more. 60,000 is one of the largest. It'll ultimately be the Wikipedia for hmm. well-being, integrated Amazing. well-being. I can leave the link um, in the description of the show so they yeah, can find it Yeah, you can find all the data uh-huh. on inflammation, whatever else you're looking for. Hmm. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I fully believe in comfort. I am no longer going to do anything uncomfortable just for the sake of society or other people telling me I should. I'm only going to do what feels good for me in the moment. Sometimes that changes. Sometimes I want to walk around the house naked. Sometimes I want to dress up and go out. Sometimes I don't want to wear a bra. But for the times that I do, you can bet I'm wearing the most comfortable bra 
that's ever been made from Third Love. Using millions of real women's measurements, Third Love designed its bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible feel. They offer double the number of sizes that most brands offer, an incredible 70 sizes with cups from A to H, including exclusive half cup sizes and bands up to 48. You can easily find the perfect one for you by taking Third Love's Fit Finder quiz and you'll be among 10 million women who have found their perfect size to date. In 60 seconds, your order can be placed and it's on its way to your house. With Third Love, the details make all the difference from premium fabrics to expert design. They use ultra soft fabrics, lightweight memory foam cups, straps that won't slip, and tagless labels to avoid itching to create the most comfortable bra you'll ever wear. Even more exciting, Third Love just launched their most requested style, cotton t-shirt bras and cotton underwear. It took two years to develop and perfect their cotton collection made out of premium cotton called Pima. The result is a line of incredibly soft, smooth, and breathable bras and underwear you'll want to wear every day. Try a Third Love bra today and put comfort and yourself first. You might even forget you're wearing it. If you don't agree, returns and exchanges are always Always easy and free. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra out there for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now and find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of that purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heart for 15% off today. I think this is so, uh, it's so fascinating because also Bottom line is it's not so complicated. It's not so complicated, no. But we make it very complicated. We make it very complicated. And we end up in these sort of vicious cycles of, I find, yeah, of I course, mean, the if we are depressed, of course, it's very, very hard to eat right and to get up in the morning course. and practice yoga and do positive it's things. It's all connected, though. It's all connected. So if you're stuck in this vicious cycle, and I find for so many people, it begins with the emotional well-being and the mental state. And uh, that can also be the hardest to just change. Yeah, now the other data shows that the most important thing in longevity and quality of life is relationships. And that's what actually messes most people up. They have unhealthy relationships and there's a lot of tension, etc. So healthy relationships and social engagement probably is the number one factor because if you don't have love and joy in your relationships, it's going to affect, of course, your emotions. And today, we know for sure that love, compassion, joy, empathy, increase self-regulation or homeostasis or healing. Uh, it's not a metaphor anymore. And uh, hostility in particular, guilt, shame, depression, increase inflammations and most of us are somewhere in between mm. so focus on relationships is a very important thing and it's also well. so Simple. evident and obvious that this is the case but yeah. why do you think it's taking so long for for, for us to make the connection because society believes in instant gratification and there's a pill for everything i mean you all you have to do is watch a, a pharmaceutical commercial on network tv it says ask your doctor about this and you they show two people who are in love they're playing tennis there's nice music in the background they're going to have sex in five minutes but then it also says it could cause impotence and kill you and everything in between <laughs> and then now ask your doctor to prescribe this <laughs> i mean that's what insanity is <laughs> And these commercials pay for everything on the news, all the entertainment. I mean, every program, every 10 minutes is a pharmaceutical commercial. 
we are living in an insane world. This country specific. I mean, this where I come from, we don't have these ki- yeah, in yeah, the same level yeah, these kinds of uh, yeah, of course of commercials. Yeah. So of course, so if we had uh, you know the healthy practices of yoga and meditation commercialized in the same way as the pharmaceutical companies, imagine what the world would be like. How beautiful to have a yeah. an ad like that every yeah. ten minutes instead of the opposite yeah. of that. No, this is so, uh, and I personally, I come from a family that has a really long history of depression and anxiety and things like that. And uh, no one has ever made the connection between diet or, or health to the mental state. Like yeah. it's very of course, two you come things. from Sweden, right? Mm. Originally, so there's lack of sunlight that mm. is also attributed to that. These days, by the way, you can also get circadian lighting, which mirrors the natural cycles. And you can get that anywhere. So, you know, a, a lot of people who have depression, all they need is exposure to sunlight. In the past, they would go to Florida. Not everybody can afford can that. that no. But you can get a, a circadian light bulb. Hmm. But you think just changing one of these things lighting, yeah. for someone who might be moving through a challenging time now or they're dealing with depression and it's very hard to, you know, when you have a doctor say you need to be prescribed an antidepressant immediately. It's very hard to counter that or to it's say It's very oh, hard and the thing is antidepressants work very dramatically in the beginning but after six months they don't work anymore. And that's also well known. It's a phenomenon called tachyphylaxis. Your body gets used to them and it's no good anymore. Mm. You can get a better dopamine hit and serotonin by falling in love or being in touch with nature or listening to good music. Or listening to I, I, I think yeah, having you as a doctor would be uh, would be more fun. <laughs> That's yeah, a quote I mean, you know, everything that the drug companies make, the body al- already makes in a more holistic manner. Serotonin, dopamine, opiates, oxytocin. Uh, these days there's a new peptide that's been identified it's called anandamide it's the it's the brain's production of these chemicals when you're feeling joy wow i never heard of that yeah and it's the best immunomodulator it modulates and fine tunes your immune system so you know those of us who are interested in this field we follow this and most doctors aren't because they want to get the patient in and out make a diagnosis, give him a prescription or her a prescription, see the next patient. So what do you think is the is in the future of health or future of wellness? Well, I think the future of well-being will be a combination of prevention and also reversibility. Right now, doctors are afraid to say there's a cure. In fact, if you say there's a cure for illness, you're a fraud. That's the way we were brought up. But now people are seeing remissions and cures. Um, through non-invasive technologies, changing our diet or doing yoga. Yoga is the most underestimated science for healing. Even though people are doing yoga worldwide, they did, and they're feeling happy about it because they feel the shift in their energy. And uh, a lot of people love it. That's why they do it. But they don't know that those asanas are actually sending nerve impulses to every organ in your body for self-regulation. And the science is there. And we need to make that science popular because that science could make a major breakthrough. Even which asana is good for which illness. And the data is already there. 
And what do you say for someone, because some, sometimes I get this question a lot for someone who doesn't have a lot of funds for these types of lifestyle things, especially, you know, yoga can be a very expensive practice in a studio, depending on where you live. It's not available for everyone. Organic foods, things like that. What do you say to someone who has? Well, you know, these days you can learn yoga online. Of course. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a good start. And what about diet? That I happen to walk by a farmer's market in Union Square and pick up what I want. We overemphasize also, you know, details about the diet when all you need is the seven colors and the six tastes of life and food that comes from farm to table. And that movement is spreading, especially in the United States, but also in other countries in the world. You know, you don't have to buy your food that comes in a can or has a label or list the number of calories, or all the ingredients. That's just nonsense. And you think it's addictive, these foods? What is? The, the, the junk foods, the Oh, yeah, especially sugar foods. is addictive, for sure. So refined sugar is bad for anyone. It is addictive. And yes, a lot of the food that comes from factories is contaminated with petroleum products, actually. Same things that were used in the killing fields of Vietnam, Agent Orange, is now in the food. You know, petroleum products, basically, to preserve the food. So any food that's processed, manufactured, refined, or has concentrated sugar or antibiotics or steroids or hormones, it's going to cause inflammation. You can use that food to light a flame if you want. <laughs> so it really will cause your body thought. to be inflamed too. It's a really scary, scary thought when you put it that way. So for someone who is, you know, maybe listening right now and feels a little overwhelmed, there are so many things I should, what if you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well, you don't feel like you don't have time for yoga, start you have all one these things. Thing. What would be the one most important thing to start? I think one or two would be good to start with. One is um, if you don't, even if you, you know, first of all, again, I have taught 10 million people meditation online. It's available. It's free. Okay. Secondly, even if you don't want to learn meditation formally or practice mindfulness or mantra practice or even just simple breathing techniques, sit quietly for 15 minutes and do nothing with your eyes closed and your life will start to begin to change. Or practice a little reflection every day. Who am I? What do I want? What's my purpose? What am I grateful for? We did a study on gratitude where we took chronic heart failure patients, literally chronic heart failure, congestive heart failure patients, divided them into two groups. One kept a gratitude journal at night and the other didn't, one group. And all the inflammatory markers went down in the gratitude people and they responded better than the drugs that are used How long to was that study? How long? It's just a couple of months. It's published study, etc. Now people are replicating. Gratitude changes your brain. It changes inflammation and all these things. So keep a gratitude journal or just in, in at, before you sleep, think of all the things you could be grateful for that night, uh, that day. And you will start to switch. Take a, put the pause button and spend 10 minutes doing nothing. Then start a meditation practice. Start yoga in a chair. Watch a video on yoga or something like that. Do some uh, uh, slow breathing. You know, if you just count to the, to inhale to the count of four, pause to the count of two, in, exhale to the count of six, you bring your heart rate 
down, you bring your breathing rate down from 14 to 8, and you stimulate your vagus nerve. You know, these things are so simple, but once you start, you want to go all the way. So, you know, I never miss my yoga routine or Hmm. any of that. And everything you just mentioned is completely free. Free, totally. Totally free. You have a a new podcast launching. I have a podcast Tell me about it. Well, uh, right now, it's the name is uh, Infinite Potential. Right now, the name is Infinite Potential. <laughs> so, you know, my my career has gone from internal medicine to endocrinology, which is the study of hormones, to neuroendocrinology, which is brain hormones, then neuroscience, then integrative medicine. And now, the only thing I'm interested in is what is reality? Because what we call everyday reality is a human experience. It's a human construct. It's a projection of a more fundamental reality. Now, the yogis knew this, but they couldn't kind of articulate it in scientific terms. And moreover, it was mostly experiential. So my this last chapter of my contribution to well-being is basically unraveling the two biggest questions in science. What's the universe made of, number one? And number two, what's the fundamental nature of reality? Is it consciousness or is it matter? So this is what I'm um, focusing on. But then as I start interviewing people for my podcast, you know, cosmologists, astrophysicists, neuroscientists, mathematicians, but also people from the arts, musicians, Uh, storytellers, poets, humanitarians, then I find that we have only explored less than 1% of human potential. We are the only species that is conscious of our consciousness. And so what does that do to us? Actually, once we understand the nature of fundamental reality, pure consciousness, which is the goal, by the way, of yoga, yoga sthkuru karmani, and, you know, yoga is the settling of the mind into pure consciousness. Once we unravel this, the potential for humans is, as our podcast says, infinite. Infinite. Infinite potential. Absolutely. I can't wait to listen in. I'm, I'm excited to have you in this field. Thank also, you. we Thank can all listen to your voice. Thank you so much for coming on the yeah. show. Everyone, you can find all the links to everything we've spoken about in the description of this podcast. Before we close, I want to ask you one final mm-hmm. question. For um, a mantra for this year, for 2019, for a lot of people, 2018 was a little bit challenging and we're in a tricky space for, the, for all of the world. Is there something or a wish you have for us all collectively to... I think right now we need a more peaceful, just, sustainable, healthier, and joyful world. And Sanskrit mantra that comes to mind is Om Shanti Om. Om Shanti Om. Thank you. Thank you. A huge thank you to my guest Deepak Chopra for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. Of course, don't forget to leave a review while you are there. And thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Zola, Ritual, and Third Love. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.